Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary, And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Happy Thursday. Happy guest Thursday. Dr. Mary, we love this day. We do. It's very informative. It's always interesting. Uh, You know, the thing that I find most interesting is I feel like I've mined every person I've ever known. (laughs) Like about 30 guests ago, I feel like I mined every person I ever knew who had anything to say in this world. And now they just keep showing up which tells you how prevalent addiction is in the world, which is a bad thing, but also a good thing. So I'm super excited, super excited to introduce to you probably my first new friend from college, Stephanie (laughs) Wagner. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, it's so good to see you. Oh my, my gosh. gosh. Oh, wow. no, we to do this to run into each other again. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's been like a really long time. Like it's 27 so years or something, maybe, Stephanie. I don't yeah. think we've since we went to Wendy's wedding. I know. We got married maybe in 1993. <laughs> yeah, so her marriage yeah. stuck, and you and I have not seen each other. I know. Well, it's so good to see you. Thanks for inviting me on. Thanks for joining us, Stephanie. This is Maz. This is my nice to meet you, Maz. Nice to meet you. Thanks. Yeah. uh, Stephanie and I met because we were uh, in music together. Stephanie is a flute player. Do you still play your flute, Stephanie? I don't know. I stopped playing many years ago, but Yeah. uh, yeah. But it was a good run. It wasn't a bad run. It just it wasn't, wasn't a bad run. You were a great player. Yeah, I was a great player. And I felt, you know, really grateful because I um, ended up taking my career more into the teaching world. And I think that, you know, I learned a lot of skills in teaching music, and then that just translated into just a whole professional career around training and development. So that's been very cool. You, you've had a really interesting career as I have followed you on Facebook. Yeah. Um, so I have a totally inconsequential question to ask you, but I have to know the answer to this, Stephanie. Sure. Has your hair always been curly? Because when I knew you, it was long and straight. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so funny. Um, well, it uh, it my hair was so heavy um, when it was that long yeah. that it didn't have any curl. And yes. so when I actually cut it off, it it's it's curly, amazingly enough. Well, so it's incredibly cute. But I <laughs> often look at it and think, that is not the hair that I remember Stephanie having. So all right. Now oh we've God, answered so the burning question. Yes. Yeah, All right. So, so, so Stephanie, uh, first of all, tell us what you do today, because I'm fascinated by what you do. Yeah. Um, so I work in the health and well-being space, and I have my hands in a couple of different areas. My primary job is that I'm a meditation teacher and a trainer for a nonprofit that is called Healthy Minds Innovations. And we're affiliated with a research institution at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. 
And uh, it's called the Center for Healthy Minds. And what we do is we basically take the scientific insights that come out of the Center for Healthy Minds and we translate them into tools to help people both cultivate and measure well-being. So we have a free meditation app called the Healthy Minds Program. Just mm. So if anybody here is interested, it's completely free. You can just download it in your app store and it's amazing. You can check out our website, hminnovations.org. So I'm a trainer for them. I do like content development and teaching and guided meditations and sort of script writing for the app. Okay. And, and then I'm also a health coach. So I got a second master's degree. So my first master's degree was in music over 20 years ago. And then I ended up going to um, get my second master's degree in integrative health and well-being coaching from the University of Minnesota. So I'm a health coach. And I work with people on their all the things anywhere from you know, their relationship with substances to uh, cultivating healthy habits to losing weight, eating healthy is sort of all the things. And I'm also a group fitness instructor. So I wow. teach kickboxing and high intensity interval training. And so I do just like, I do all the things. You do a lot you of things, to not to mention <laughs> the fact that you spend a lot of time in tattoo parlors. Yes, I do. I'm, I'm also very heavily tattooed. <laughs> Which is really, I mean, so much about you when we rediscovered ourselves on Facebook, I thought, wow, wow. okay. <laughs> Stephanie has gone a direction I didn't expect. Your tattoos are amazing. Do you have one or two full sleeves? I have one full sleeve and one half sleeve, yeah. Yeah, really yeah. incredible. And you look spectacular, which I only bring up because that has not actually always been your adult case. It's true, yeah. I was about 80 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, so I just turned 50 um, a couple of weeks ago. Hard yeah. to believe. Yes, it um, is. <laughs> but in my 30s, um, I had actually uh, been promoted in my job and I was traveling a ton and uh, through the stress and through the travel, I just gained a bunch of weight. And then about, I, I think about 10 years later, I ended up going on this journey of, of losing the weight. So yeah, it's been, it's definitely been a journey. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, as letting go of all things are. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really letting go. It was letting go of, a. it was letting go of a way of relating to, the world that just was not serving me anymore, you know, really seeking comfort in things that just can't provide it in a long-term way. And that's where I found meditation and where I found, um, actually I found meditation prior to losing the weight, but that was kind of the first step on my journey of just getting, getting healthier. So Stephanie, I'm just going to ask this cause I, I don't actually know the answer. I think I know the answer, but do you did you also have some sort of substance challenge or not? Yeah. Um, so the substance that challenge that I had um, was money. And I know that it's uh, hard to like for people to like wrap their minds around maybe like what that means. But um, uh, addictive spending was the thing for me um, that was was really problematic for me um in addition to i would say like my relationship with food um so as a result of just living this very stressed out life being very lonely and on the road and i was working for a company where i was like spending a lot of time in shopping malls and i would find myself out of loneliness and anxiety 
sort of eating all the things and then also buying all the things. And, you know, when we think about addiction, I think, you know, more commonly people think about, you know, drugs and alcohol, but addictive spending, it, it's sort of, in my experience, it's sort of what is the, the impulse or the intention behind what you're doing and are you able to stop it, you know? And I was just continuing to consume um, to the point in which I had gotten myself, I would say probably like $40,000 in debt that I had completely kept secret from my husband. So I had gotten all this credit card debt um, because we had separate finances at the time. And I, and continued to kind of go down that shame spiral, right? So like knowing that I was engaging in something that wasn't like aligned with my values, I was keeping it secret and, uh, you know, not asking for help. And so then I got to the point where I had taken out a loan on my 401k without my husband knowing so that I could pay off my credit card debt. And he found out. <laughs> and that's really when the shit hit the fan, to be honest. Yeah. And yeah. And so that is what propelled me actually into what I would call recovery. There's a 12 step group that helps people with their relationships with money, ranging anywhere from under earning, like chronic under earning to chronic overspending. And they're called debtors anonymous, uh, more commonly referred to as DA. And my husband insisted that I go into DA initially to deal with the, the addiction. And knowing that the addiction was coming from someplace kind of really deep and wounded within me. And I spent a year in DA and it didn't, I, it did a lot of things for me like that, that year did a lot of things for me, but ultimately like the 12 step model for me, wasn't the thing that I landed on. That was the thing I did eventually find Buddhism and meditation and sort of realized that my, um, the hole in my heart, was that I was trying to fill through spending was more filled through kind of getting more in connection with myself through meditation, mm. getting to know myself better, being able to nurture and connect with these qualities um, that exist within every one of us. It's just, we sort of live in this space of like being disconnected from them. And so I found that I was able to really come into a sense of wholeness from my spiritual path. And subsequently did a lot of things in my relationship with my husband to heal the trust that was broken from the addiction and also to heal my relationship with money and material things. There was like a lot that kind of needed to happen there. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's, yeah. that's really um, powerful because I think your, your first point is absolutely true. We hear the word addiction and we assume it's something you're ingesting. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the simple reality is you can be addicted to anything. Some yeah. kinds of addiction will kill you faster. Yeah. But addiction is addiction. Yeah. And whatever it does in your brain, it really is kind of irrelevant what the addiction to it is. It's much more about what your brain is responding to, yeah. I think. I bet it filled a hole and made you found funny, made you feel um, happy about yourself to, to spend the money, huh? Yeah, it did. It, mm -hmm. it it gave me a sense of, 
you know, I think part of it was that I felt so much shame about my body. I, my body was not my own, you know, it was 80 pounds heavier. I felt, I did not feel good about the way that I looked in the world. Appearance is just a really, is something really important to me. Like I love fashion. I, it just, it's just kind of like, I feel like a part of my artistic expression and the way I put myself forth in the world. And so I felt bad about myself in gaining the weight. I felt unattractive. I felt just so much shame. And so I was seeking, um, buying a bunch of, and it was, it was always like clothes and shoes and jewelry and things to just try and make me feel better in my body. And that outer stuff just doesn't, it doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So here's a, here's another question for you. I mean, I knew about this as an addiction, but I've never actually been able to have this conversation with anyone. So advertising companies make alcohol sexy they made smoking yeah. sexy um you can't make drug ad drug addiction sexy but big companies in um have in um massive incentives to especially general practitioners say oh you're in pain have some painkillers um do you think the essence of a credit card company, if you go and say I'm maxed out on the credit card, do you think the only thing they'll actually do is just extend your limit? And is it so, why is it so easy to take out a second credit card? Yeah. Oh, they're yeah. I mean, I think on that knowing they're going to make money off somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yes, I think, of course, it's a it's a for profit model where they, they make a lot of money uh, off of you by having you max out your card and not being able to pay it off. And so the interest that and not being able to pay off, you know, the, the base amount there, that's a business model that's very, I would imagine, very lucrative. I think, too, there's something culturally about material things that mm -hmm. we are fed a lot of messages in marketing that we need things to be happy. Yes. We need nice cars. We need nice homes. We need technology. We need the best phone. We need all the clothes. We need to look a certain way. You know, the, the, the messages that women particularly receive in the media about like, what body shape do you need to be loved or right. attractive? You know, I, I mean, all of these messages that we receive are that we're not enough mm -hmm. and that we need things to help us feel like we're whole, like we're enough. And so then we kind of get into this like craving mentality where we need something to feel good about ourselves. And I, those messages are just delivered to us all the time. And so I, I got to this point where I have completely, I don't, I haven't had a TV in 15 years. I, I don't listen to the news and I, I am, I am happier because of it. Like, I, I feel like I'm not reinforcing, I'm not receiving those messages that are reinforcing um, that I'm not enough because I am enough. And my whole path of coming to meditation and becoming a Buddhist has been to realize that I actually am enough. I don't need something else mm -hmm. to help me feel like I'm enough. So because I knew you when we were young, and then we really lost. You're still young. Well, youngish. We were very young. Yeah, exactly, youngish. You know, yes. I mean, we were teenagers. Younger. We were teenagers when we met. So I'm, I'm listening to this. I know it's amazing. I'm listening to this conversation, and I'm, I'm feeling. 
And I mean, to be fair, we were not great, great friends. I, I wouldn't say I knew you intimately, but we spent a lot of time together in that first year of college and my first year of college. So Maz, I feel like Maz kind of fell into alcoholism. It was a sort of a slow, steady build. Yeah. And so many people we've talked to on Guest Thursdays have said things like, boy, you know what? I was at a party when I was 12. I never really felt like I fit. I had a drink and suddenly I thought, oh, I feel good. And it changed everything. I'm listening to you and I'm thinking back to 19, 20 year old Stephanie, who I knew. And I'm thinking, it's possible that I didn't know that you felt insecure about yourself at that point. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering if you are like Maz, did you fall into this? Did it just sort of oh, happen? I see where you're going over time you bought one thing you bought another thing and it just it snowballed for you or did it actually do you have a moment in your life where you remember thinking this makes me feel different than i felt five minutes ago and i like this better oh interesting yeah i would say that it was gradual um it was like it, i think it was a sense of over time, the behavior feeling like, Ooh, I feel more calm. I feel excited. I feel better in my body. So I would say over time, I also think that for me, um, two things. The first is that I grew up being quite poor, uh, did not have a lot of money, did not have a lot of access to the things that I saw other kids having, like the cool tennis shoes and the cool clothing. And I grew up wanting I wanted to have what other people had. And that I think created some conditions in my own mind that kind of made me more prone to consume. Mm -hmm. And then also I addiction runs in my family. And so mm -hmm. no, not a surprise, you know, having there be that kind of propensity to be addicted, I think just from my, my family of origin that played a role in it too. So I would say that's a very long winded way to say that. Yes, it was, I think more of a long, a longer path, mm -hmm. but it was interesting because in it feeling good, it also felt bad, you know? So it yeah. felt, I felt good in my body mm -hmm. and then I felt bad because I was hiding it from my husband and it wasn't aligned with who I wanted to be. Yeah. And so it was sort of this self-reinforcing circle that had just a horrible impact on my marriage. I mean, my husband and I separated as a result of it and uh, ended up living separately while still being married for five years. We went through therapy wow. and did a lot of healing. I, I had thought that when we initially separated that we were going to divorce. So there was like a year where we were living separately and kind of like going through the process of like talking about divorce. In fact, I think we'd even filled out the divorce papers, but we didn't ever submit them. And then there was a point in which my husband said to me, he said, I'm wondering if you would be willing to go into therapy with me, not with the goal of um, saving our marriage, but with the goal of seeing if there's anything to be saved. And we just got curious about what was there. And it fundamentally shifted so many things for us. I mean, we got together very young, right after I right after I graduated from my undergrad, we got together and we had known each other since high school. So we had all of these established wow. patterns of communicating. Now we're, we're going to be married 25 years this year. 
this upcoming year. But we had all of these really unhealthy patterns of communicating and relating. And, and of course, too, with money, like we bring these like ideas about money into relationship and we never talk about it. We never never talk about it. Talk about it. Isn't that ordinary? We never say, well, how did your parents pay bills? How was money talked about at your house? It's incredible. It's, it's sort of like saying, we're never going to talk about religion. We're never going to talk about sex. We're never going to talk about money. Let's get married and see how that all works out. Right. I mean, it, yeah. it is unbelievable what we don't discuss before we enter at its most basic into a legal contract with another human being. Yeah. Yeah. And so we went through this whole like unpacking of our beliefs around money, because it was very clear that I had a certain set of beliefs around money and spending and materialism that was very much being kind of outwardly manifested in my addictive spending. But I wasn't really clear about what his relationship with money was because we hadn't really ever talked about it. So we came upon this really excellent book um, called For Richer, Not Poorer, The Money Book for Couples by Ruth Hayden. Um, And it totally helped us. I mean, as a result of that book, we became financially solvent. And so I've been financially solvent now since um, probably 2008. So the only debt, yeah, the only debt that we have is our house. We have no credit card debt. We, we buy our cars, we save our money over time. We buy our cars outright. Like we really do um, have a completely different relationship with money that has just, and this book really helped heal us. So Ruth Hayden, I think is a financial advisor who lives in Minneapolis, but this book actually helps you to explore as a couple, your beliefs around money. So there are discussion prompts. There's a whole process of budgeting in the back. Like she's got this whole way of like working with cash, which is really inspiring. And so I just, we totally follow her way of, of, dealing with money. That's fabulous. Okay. I have to put this comment up from my mother who you probably never met, but, but if you pay any attention to daily dose, you know, she's a big writer, which is great. We love that. Not complaining. Um, but yes, I just wanted to put that up so you could see it. Thank you. Oh, that's so funny. Thanks, Bonnie. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. So, um, Stephanie, I am curious to know, I think I say I'm curious to know more than any other phrase on this program, but I, so much of what people say just sparks so many questions for me. So you, you have found this new path through Buddhism, meditation, um, and this, this mindfulness mindset. Yeah. So I am a person who, this will not surprise you, uh, is very attracted to the idea of meditation <laughs> uh, and struggles yeah. with the execution yeah. of yeah. meditation. So yeah. talk about how you move from, yeah, that seems interesting to I'm going to do it. How do you do that? Yeah. Well, I think first off, people come to the practice of meditation with a lot of ideas about what it is supposed to do for you and what it's supposed to be like. And again, because it's so popular in the media, the media sends a lot of messages that I need to get rid of thoughts. I need to achieve this state of bliss. Like if I'm sitting here and I'm having thoughts, I'm not meditating correctly. And that is not at all the point of view that I am trained in in meditation. What we're doing in meditation is we're becoming familiar with our experience and our own minds. 
so that uh, rather than being fused with our thoughts and fused with our emotions and believing them to be true, we can actually see them as they are happening in real time with some space and that we have some agency over how to respond to what's going on in our in our inner world. So, you know, you think about something like addiction, you know, you have these impulses to move towards something that is very unconscious. And so with meditation, what we begin to do is we begin to actually bring to light we we connect with um, what I would what I would say is uh, an inner knowing. It's this the capacity that we have to be aware. That's sort of the essence of of meditation. That's the essence of mindfulness. Is is really actually cultivating this connection with awareness and being able to sort of be present and aware more frequently. You know, instead of being unconscious, <laughs> and um, we can begin to then have some agency over our own mind. We can see those habits of moving towards something and we have choice because rather than being all caught up in it, there's like, the, here's the impulse and here's awareness. And so there's some space to respond differently, to make a choice based on your values, to be able to like redirect. So anyway, I think that's all just to say that people come to meditation with a lot of expectations about what it's supposed to do. So to just be like, yeah, it's not about getting rid of thoughts. It's actually being able to see them. That's what I'm doing here. And I, mm -hmm. and then also understanding the perspective that I understand that when I actually can see things more clearly in my own mind and my own experience, that I am in the driver's seat of my own mind. I'm not prone to habitual responses. I'm not prone to being unconscious. So checking the response, checking your sort of expectation is one thing. And then I think, you know, I want to go back to the, your favorite phrase from this interview, which is I'm get, I'm curious. Yeah. Curiosity, like get curious about what it would be like to sit and be with yourself for five minutes. Yeah. So rather than, rather than feeling like, oh, I've got to do it for 20 minutes or, oh, I've got to do it for 30 minutes. Hey, just get curious about what would it be like if I sat here and I just like noticed this, uh, I was with the sensations in my body for five minutes, or what would it be like to just be with my breath for five minutes or to just like sit there and just watch thoughts? Like, what would that be like? And then you get to decide for yourself what that experience is like. Well, that's pretty inspiring, Stephanie. <laughs> that's pretty yeah. I, I will say I went on a um, two week solo writing retreat um, a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. For 14 cool. days, I talked to three people. It was really amazing. Or saw wow. three people. I talked to other people. But I only saw three people in 14 days. Wow. And I did, I found a um, a meditation which was much more about visioning. So rather than clearing your mind, which is apparently utterly impossible for me. It really, well, it's impossible for anybody. Like who, your mind does wonderful things. Like why get rid of it? You know, you just want to become familiar with it. <laughs> really confirming good things for me today. <laughs> but what, what happened was I decided that I would imagine what I wanted and I would imagine it to the, to every nth of my sensory capacity. Okay. And it was profound. I think it lasted, if I remember correctly, I think it was 12 minutes because I timed myself. I was curious to see what I could do if I really just embraced this. Um, and it was amazing. And it was it was as real as anything I've actually ever experienced. It was so present. It was so calming. I, I It absolutely has guided every moment of my life since that moment 
and I've never been able to do it again. Yeah. I mean, so, the thing so, about you had a meditation experience, you had a meditative experience yeah. because you know, the thing, the thing about meditation is that you will have an experience of it being kind of up and down. And it sounds like you had this experience that was very up and it felt really good. And so then you hold that as being the thing that you're trying to achieve. <laughs> right? I just so want all again, the ups, Stephanie. I None know, I know, but you know, you can think about it almost like, you know, meditation is kind of like, you know, training your muscles in the gym, you know, there are those times where you go to the gym where you feel like a total beast, you feel strong, you feel resilient, you feel like it feels good. And then you have those times at the gym where it's like a total drag, you're like, you know, slushing through slugging through molasses, and you feel really tired, and you don't feel strong, and it feels hard. Similarly, that's, you know, meditation, meditation is going to be very up and down. But the, the path and the process is training, you're training your mind, you're training your mind. Yeah, but I do appreciate the up experience because the up experience gives us a flavor of something that feels fabulous. I know, yeah. I, I a little bit wish it hadn't started there because it, I feel like everything else is a little bit of a disappointment, but it's okay. Yeah. It's um, yeah. Okay, will you tell us one more time? Let me put this up. Is this correct? Sure. This is hminnovations.org? Yeah. Yeah, hminnovations.org. And if you'll just share also my personal website, uh, my personal website is innerfirehealthcoach.com. If you're interested in finding out a little bit more about my background, I also have some guided meditations on there. Um, A bit about my services. Yeah, thank you so much. Innerfirehealthcoach.com. You know, Stephanie, one of the wonderful things about being an alcoholic enjoying sobriety is that you actually take the time and the inclination to sit down and listen to things like years ago, I would have dismissed meditation. Just get over yourself. It works. It's, <laughs> it's a, it's a fantastic way to answer some questions that are keeping you down. So. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a profound tool to deal with our suffering. I, yeah. I really, you know, part of being human is that it is filled with experiences that can be very painful and um, meditation is a tool to help us be have a different relationship with the suffering yeah well stephanie um gosh i kind of forgot how much i like you could we just wait 27 <laughs> more years to connect again because i don't want to rush things you might have to yeah. perm your hair by the next time you see <laughs> i know i know <laughs> What what a what a treat to have you on to share some really insightful um, lessons and and a different type of failure and success. Which uh, your point about about getting in touch with that is true. I in, whether somebody can get to the end of their life and say, "Boy, I was literally addicted to fill in the blank" or not. We're all going to have things we struggle with, things that we wish weren't true, things that we're hiding yeah. from somebody else. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing your story with us yes. and with our oh. audience. Wonderful to meet you. Yes, yeah, so wonderful to meet you too. Well, the next time I come through Fargo-Moorhead, I'll uh, well, and you up. Barney lives in Minneapolis, so we're there a fair amount. We'll oh, look great. I'd love to see for us to come to you. Yeah, we will wonderful. absolutely see you soon, Stephanie. Okay. Thank you. So, thank so you, much thank for thank joining you. us. Yes, thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. And everybody else, we will see you next week for our 300th episode. Wow. Unbelievable. Ah, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thanks. Bye. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Yep, bye.
Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L.com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.